Hello everybody and welcome to Edging on Dunstan, a podcast where three certified Dunstan dunces analyze a cinematic masterpiece in 10 minute increments. Today, more like 12 minute increments, but we'll get into that. I'm Drew. I'm Sam. I'm Adam. And welcome to the final regular episode of Edging on Dunstan. And uh, I just want to say, what a wild ride this has been, everybody. Oh, absolutely. Uh... Yeah, the, the whole twelve minute thing. We realized that uh, the, in the ninety minute runtime, which would have perfectly broken down into ten minute increments, uh, the last ten minutes would have been two minutes of movie and eight minutes of credits, and it's kind of hard to review the credits of a film. Though there were some gems in there, let's be honest. Uh, and have fun, go mad. It's a great, fantastic credit song. It, yeah, Blair Blair really did it good on that one. He knows how to cook up a good song. Yeah. A real beat smith. It's a real little crispy track there. Yeah. You know what else is crispy? What's that? Lord Rutledge. He's crispy? Yeah, he begins our ten minutes by uh, checking under a table for a Dunstan. By bending at the waist and getting that sweet dump truck out there. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad Much I to everyone's pleasure. <laughs> like, like, the camera was... was at such an angle, you couldn't see everything, but you could see like one whole cheek. You could see enough. That thing was full. You, that, you could you, see enough. You got a really full cleft view there. Cleft <laughs> view. Uh, at this point, Mrs. Dubrow, who uh, still thinks Lord Rutledge is the secret agent from the Lamond Association, thinks that Lord Rutledge is just like checking the carpet to see if this is worthy of being a six-star hotel. The comments that he is very thorough. It's very thorough. Which came out first, this or Big Lebowski? I'd imagine Big Lebowski. No, wait. Big I think Lebowski this came out. I think. Nah, Big Lebowski came out. It came out very close. Do, do the history of the word thorough being very funny in movies. I only can, I can only think of two examples. <laughs> who who used thorough better? Let, let's let's talk about this. The Coen Brothers or whoever directed Dunstan checks in. King Quapis. I think I think it's safe to say the Coen Brothers defeat King Quapis. Ninety eight for the Lebowski. That was close. So right. the oh. Coen Brothers ripped off Dunstan checks in. That's true. They did. Oh shit. Oh boy. Because they said thorough. Is that thorough. What He's very thorough. thorough. He's very thorough. I just think that was bad miking. I don't think it was intentional. <laughs> But, uh, um, which is more likely, Adam, that yeah. it was an intentional line or that the microphones in Dunstan checks in weren't up to snuff? No, I, well, I, it, actually, it was an, an intentional theft in the Coen brothers on, on their behalf. Uh, there's actually a lawsuit. You can go back through the history of litigation as repeatedly the Coen brothers are being sued for, <laughs> for using the word thorough in their movie in a funny way, which, which is very much trademarkable. As everyone knows. Yeah, I've got the t-shirt. Yeah, like everyone knows you can't use the same two lines in movies. That's why movies are getting worse now. They gotta like walk around all these like, you can't say the same the same lines of dialogue. When characters walk in the room, they can't just say hello. That's already been copyrighted by this point. Mm-hmm. That's why in no movies characters will ever say, I am your father. Because of course, Empire Strikes Back. So now, that's why every movie you'll see, they'll be like... I progenited you as your paternal unit. Movies just get increasingly verbose as time goes on, as they have to find new ways to avoid saying uh, basic human phrases. Okay. So, I don't think we've actually talked about the movie very much. No. We, we got onto it. Adam, who visits Lord Rutledge when he's under oh, the shit. table? Uh, Mrs. Delacroce pops her head under the table with him, as you do. Because mm. she's transfixed. She's... 
She saw that that, that it's an invitation across the nation, a chance for folks to meet. <laughs> <laughs> Rutledge the meat. Rutledge got the meat. Oh that, man, that, oh, stinking caboose, baby. It's, Something. It, it just. Oh, it's inviting. The the f plot of this movie is Della Cruz's <laughs> <laughs> <Religious> relationship. <laughs> Drew, do we do we know what their relationship is? It's because suggested she transfixed with him. It's suggested that maybe they fooled around in the past and are up to doing it again. Because Della Croce initiates conversation by asking Lord Rutledge what he's looking for, and he says another line that I think is actually kind of funny, where he says, "I'm looking for lost youth." <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> and, and and then Della Croce. With no small talk, just gives him her room number, even though she's attending this social gala with William, who really knows how to please her, we assume. Yeah. Well, yes. Well, once, got... once she found out that it was the monkey that made her come so hard... And she wanted really him to bring it. the monkey. Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you guys in on a little secret. You wanna, you wanna, what you're going to do is, before you, th- you think something's going to happen, you know, pour yourself a little bowl of water. Okay. Stick your hand in the water for a while, let it get all pruney, because... Old man hands, those wrinkly old fingers, ripped for her pleasure. <laughs> oh. That's a tip straight from Dunstan. That's a it's tip on his straight blog. from Dunstan. It's on his blog, everybody. You stick your hands in water and get them good and pruney. <laughs> gives more texture. And also, when you're, when you're down there, it's uh, best to go... <laughs> <laughs> that's also from that's Dunstan. The, that's that's the, what we call Dunstan style. <laughs> That's why they called me Dunstan in college. <laughs> the, the, the pouting, puffing vibration on a woman's uh, what, what's the, what's a nice term for that? Pudendum. 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 <laughs> hey, hey, bitch, get over here. Sure, 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 sure. sure. <laughs> I'm gonna go all Dunstan on that. <laughs> she is. Oh, I'm just and, gonna and do. <laughs> <laughs> Stole All you have to do is men- mention you're gonna go Dunstan on her. She's gonna hold him over. Yeah, I'm just gonna hold the cat now because he can't be trusted with anything. He can't be trusted. For a bit of background, I don't know if we'll put this after the credits or something, but my roommate got this cat a cat bed, and uh, I needed recently to have like a uh, I needed I needed to put something up that I didn't want the cat to get to, and so Nash I just put it in the cat bed. It's the one place in the apartment that he has never gone to. But now that I have something I don't want him touching in there, of course he jumps straight in. <laughs> oh, that, that was a really good one. That was great. So welcome back, everybody. All right. Uh, <laughs> cutting back after that scene, we go to see uh, Buck Lafarge, who's on the Dunstan Trail. And uh, as he's talking to his dog to figure out in what direction the Dunstan is, in the background, <laughs> I never noticed this before. But poor Artie, who Fang the dog was dragging around, poor Artie is like slumped against a wall, looking like he's having heart palpitations. <laughs> yeah, he looks dead. Dunstan also sexually assaults a woman in this part. What? He would oh. never do that. Alright, he just like pulls that girl's skirt up. Yeah, and it's pretty epic. <laughs> oh, of course Spalding gets blamed for it as yeah. as uh the universe is punching bag, Lionel Spaulding. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's hold he's he's got both of his hands above the table and she's looking at him, look at pictures. 
But he was the most logical suspect because he's fat and fat people are perverts. <laughs> yes, but little did she know it was a perverted orangutan and not our boy Lionel Spaulding who was free from sin. Hey, you know those like uh, punching bag clowns? Like you hit them and they pop back Boop. up again? Yeah. Actually inspired by Lionel Spaulding. <laughs> God, will, will Dunstan ever have sex? Will Dunstan ever... Yeah, oh, spoiler. Spoilers by the end of the film. Yeah, if you haven't seen At the least movie, that must sound really bad. <laughs> and, 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 if, and if you haven't seen the movie, you're just going to have to wait to find out whether yeah, with a human to... or another monkey. Human or otherwise. Because so far, this this movie has given us no, uh, no orangutan love interest. Just, uh... Whew. Just Buck Lafarge. Just Buck Lafarge. Speaking of which, Buck Lafarge... The universal love interest. Yes. <laughs> in his hunt for Dunstan, Buck Lafarge gets down on all fours and just starts going through all the tables where this fancy gala is happening. There's a lot of crawling around on all fours in this movie. There's a lot of crawling in this 12 minutes chunk. There's a lot of crawling under tables. A lot, a lot of under tables, a lot of peeking over tables. A lot of the, the Dunstan's under tables. But <clears throat> as Buck Lafarge is traveling around, he, come, he emerges from a table... Where a Texan couple is. And uh, appropriately titled yes. Tex and Mrs. Tex. <laughs> yes, in the credits. And then Tex says, what you looking for? And Buck Lafarge says, I'm looking for a Pongo Pygmaeus. <laughs> and Tex appropriately <laughs> says, if I catch you looking at my wife's Pongo Pygmaeus again, I'm going to snap you in half. There we go, Adam. There, there's your innuendo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. The, right in the Pongo Pygnaeus. <laughs> the, this relates to one of my favorite running jokes, and that is you can refer to a private area or an intimate act with anything, and people will probably still understand what you're talking about. So if this guy emerges and says, the Pongo Pygmaeus, you've never heard anybody refer to a private area as a Pongo Pygmaeus, but you still understand the implication. It's beautiful. Well, I don't know, I've heard a few people refer to private parts as Pongo Pygmaeus, but... But you know, I, I, a, Sam was a part of a sex cult in college. Yeah, as you know. Yeah, he was kind of the originator of the Dunstan, as we've um, mentioned earlier. Yeah. yeah, I was the originator of the Dunstan. We, we kind of broke time. He knows how to blow raspberries on that coochie. Careful, ladies. Stop oh. flooding his inbox. Oh, you mean the movie that Dun I thought I thought you meant I was the originator of the movie. I was like, oh, oh no, no, no. No, well, V. Clearly, Dunstan. No. Uh, uh, Adam, I'm 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 <laughs> I'm flattered that you think I f so good I break time. <laughs> oh, I don't think and I know it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Lionel the kitchen Spalding. slapstick scene is might be my favorite part of the movie. Is that too far ahead? Oh, that's too one, far ahead. One more. Lionel uh, Spaulding. Uh, Lionel Spaulding recovers from his slapping and embarrassment, and he decides to get a little bite to eat, so he gets some hors d'oeuvres and start, starts filling up his plate. He's like, oh, yes, a baby quiche. And then he says, shrimp boat! <laughs> <laughs> but little does he know, orangutan hand keeps on reaching up Grabbing all of his horse duvers. Oh, and I'm hungry. They look. They, they all look delicious. Look, yeah, oh, especially man. the shrimp boat. What is a shrimp boat? Oh, is baby. it just a shrimp like flattened? It's like, like... a gravy boat for shrimp. <laughs> no, they literally gave him the deed to a boat that catches shrimp like Bubba Gump. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> he, he won a prize. It was a door prize. <laughs> God, it 
was a... They give him the deed to the boat, he goes out in the ocean, and immediately springs a cartoon <laughs> leak straight up in the air. <laughs> and then he, he, as the boat's sinking, he just plugs his nose and closes his eyes and <laughs> goes down. Turns to camera. <laughs> says, it's just never my day. <laughs> Why do bad things and, happen to good people? Yeah, of, of course Taps it's going down. Plays. We need that, that foghorn. <laughs> monkey head. Oh yeah, there's, there's a monkey head in his lap. Little Spalding after there's a his big hairy monkey. <laughs> after a shrimp boat goes missing, Lionel Spalding investigates. He lifts up the tablecloth and he sees Dunstan's head in his lap, and so he starts screaming the word "monkey head" like eight times in a row. And they, he like he like screams all the room. There's a big hairy monkey in here, <laughs> and a lot of people look to him ready to be offended. <laughs> Man, Brian's European babes like what? (laughs) They don't shave their pongo pigneus. Everyone knows knows that. that. That's why they call it the pongo pigneus. The Parisian pongo pigneus. Come on, everybody. Oh, what does it mean? What doesn't it mean? Fair enough. Um, then Lord Rutledge uh, steals Dunstan in a tablecloth and slings him over his shoulder like Santa's sack. Yeah, very clearly not a monkey in the tablecloth. But, it looks like a sleeping bag stuffed in there. Yep. <laughs> oh, before to secure the tablecloth, he pulls it out from a fully set table with like mariachi music playing for like five seconds and just says, Ole. <laughs> It's comic genius on it's, the part of Ken Quapis. It's really a brilliant movie. Oh, I wish I could write a movie as good. I almost don't want to talk about this kitchen scene because it's embarrassing. <laughs> as Lionel Spaulding is distracting everyone with talking about monkey heads, and Lord Rutledge snatches the Dunstan and begins to sneak away, finally Robert Grant starts doing something, and he goes to chase Lord Rutledge into the kitchen. Did you see all that those pouty faces he was making when his kids were telling him that uh, all this, this shit? He was going like... I will deal with Lord Rutledge. Like, he's doing a lot of eye twitches. Like, he's trying to act with his eyes and show how mad he is. If 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 he's ever seen Jason Alexander, like, even in a photo, you know exactly what he's doing. Like, you can picture this. You can get the perfect mental image of this. Uh, You don't like the kitchen scene? Oh, I hate it. It's so embarrassing. I I couldn't even... Like, you know when... uh, Here, I'll give you an example. Like, you ever, like, make a video for class for an assignment and have the whole class watch it? Oh, yeah. Oh, and, like, you get yes. tears in your eyes that is like, you're yes. so embarrassed. That is kind of the cringe it. level of That's, this scene. Okay, I, 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 know, I know, I'm not saying it was good. I'm just saying it was so terrible. I really enjoyed it a lot. Like, there's the part where Jason Alexander takes out a big old whisk. <laughs> And, and they have a bit of a, and he has a bit of a sword fight with Rutledge, who is who is wielding a ladle. And when the whisk hits the ladle, it starts vibrating, and he acts like it's going through his whole body as like this big. We're talking like a three foot whisk here. Yeah, it's, a it's big just like one. like his whole body. It, it's it's terrible. It's so enjoyable. I the, really had a great time. Oh, with that that orgasm faces he makes when he's being jittered by an, the big whisk. The just the the lip quivering on that stupid uh. face. 
This, oh, the fact the, that Rutledge still had bits of egg on his head for the rest of the movie really got me. Yeah, that's such beautiful attention to detail. Oh, it's, it's the, great. The whisk sounds exactly like some bullshit Sam would say, just out of the blue that isn't <laughs> true. He grabbed a big whisk and he hit it with <laughs> 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 He starts shaking, but no, 100% true, dear no, viewer. It's, it's, it actually might even be bigger than three feet. It might be closer to four and a half feet. It was a huge hit. The huge. resonant frequency of the whisk was equal to that of Jason Alexander's body when he hit it. The whole, whole body. It's like a bridge in San Francisco that collapsed because of a bit of wind. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Jamie, pull up this picture of these Dunstans that are attacking the bridges. Man, that monkey will pull your skirt up. <laughs> Also great about the the kitchen scene is Rutledge screaming, going like, oh. Ah! Yeah, like he's Hong Kong fooey. I yeah. Mean, I would describe this scene as like a slapstick parade. It's just, just like, <laughs> all right, how much slapstick can we get in here? Oh, baby. So Tom, they put Tom and Jerry to shame. Let's be honest. These what? two... 40-year-old men trying their that's, hardest. That's why it's the most cringy for me, just because these are grown-ass adults. Who are going, hitting each Wah! other with whisks and going, Wah. And yeah. at one point, Rutledge starts throwing eggs at Robert, who uh, keeps getting hit with him. And then because he's blocking him with the sieve. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what that's called? Yeah, yeah. he's blocking the eggs with the big, big old sieve. And then he catches, yeah. He catches one, and he wings it back at him. And it's it's just, it's genuinely childish. It's, it's not like he's trying. The, Rutledge, for context, diegetically, is trying to escape to not go to jail. Yeah, his his future in life is on the line. Yeah, and Robert is trying to stop a criminal who's destroying his hotel and assaulted his children. This and the, not be an egg throwing. They're throwing Lord. eggs at each other and giggling like school <laughs> children. The best part that interrupts. The slapstick of this is when uh, Rutledge reaches for a bottle to, like, crack it over Robert Grant's stupid f***ing head. And then Robert Grant's like, no, 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 that's the Chateau Lafitte. And then uh, Rutledge looks at the bottle, he's like, oh, okay. And then he puts it back on the bottle and they just, like, nod at each other, understanding that that was too expensive to waste on killing each other with. See, that's what I love, the, the respect between these enemies. <laughs> that's what makes this scene so beautiful. It's not they're, they're not fighting to kill. They're fighting, like, th th this is a performance here. The, the, what you're watching, you, you're criticizing this as though they're trying to actually hurt each other, but they're not, because clearly they have this deep respect for each other. Like, like Batman and the Joker. <laughs> you're garbage, Rutledge. You can't break that bottle. That's the Chateau of the Feet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna break it anyway, Batman. That's like that's the Joker, everybody. Oh, you're One right. little bottle, bottle. everyone loses their minds. That's a, uh, a good wine. <laughs> the chewing clown has appeared. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to break out the chewing clown voice. I, I can't do it good. I just like doing it. <laughs> Batman. Jason <laughs> Alexander. <laughs> All you have to do is say Jesus. I like you in Seinfeld. <laughs> you leave Seinfeld and do one monkey movie. Everybody loses their minds. Okay, I should explain this. I'm the worst person in the world at remembering character names. The fact that I even remember his name is Jason Alexander is a miracle on its own. I feel like if I stop saying it, I'm gonna forget that too. <laughs> okay, Sam. Who who is it that uh, that oh, no. stops the the kitchen fight using a mop? <laughs> I genuinely don't remember, actually. Brian. Brian. Okay. The the elder brother who has done nothing in the movie up to this point. 
Yeah, he knocks Rutledge out with the head of a mop. And I'm talking Rutledge is like swirling his head like cartoon stars fly your eyes. Like, oh no, the mop. He's been doing something the whole movie. He's been doing something in them events, you know what I'm saying? He was cleaning up with the mop when he heard the sound of of his dad screaming upon being hit in the face with eggs. Kyle was establishing some knees on set, if you know what I'm talking about. You see? You see what I mean? It's Brian. Brian is the, the, the yeah. pervert brother. Who cares? I'm just trying to, to for continuity's sake. I know, I appreciate it. I gotta keep you accountable, you keep me accountable. After Brian hits Lord Rutledge in a mop and apparently, like, breaks his spine or something, judging from how disoriented Lord Rutledge is from that, Jason Alexander tosses him across a, a table with the strength that you would not expect from such a short, balding man. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's good. Uh... Leads on to the final climactic. Uh, climactic in many ways. <laughs> yes, in many ways climactic. Uh, as they try to, as they all try to capture Dunstan. But but first, uh, how do they announce that everybody finally realizes there's a Dunstan in their fancy ball? Uh, a lady looks up, sees a Dunstan on a chandelier, and says, "A monkey." I really wanted the camera there to just crash zoom in on him with like a dramatic sting. Can <laughs> we reshoot this as like a thriller? We probably could. It's like the, the murder of the Rue Morgue where the orangutan was killing people the first detective story by Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, if we cut out all the parts where after Dunstan attacks someone, it's just implied that he's murdered them. We could make a dark cut of Dunstan Checks In. And what do we call the movie? Dunstan checks you out. <laughs> murder at the oh. murder at the majestic. <laughs> Dunstan checks you off this mortal coil. A monkey. That's the movie's called. It's a called monkey. a monkey. Like five wise. Oh my gosh, a monkey should be the tagline for the film. <laughs> Just a monkey. <laughs> a monkey. New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> A monkey. Two thumbs up. <laughs> 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 That's killing me. <laughs> Welcome to Siskel and Ebert at the movies. A monkey. Today we watch Dunstan Checks In. A monkey. <laughs> two thumbs I give up. It two thumbs up. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> two thumbs up. <sighs> Buck Lafarge decides. What's him? I was, I was going to say this. Oh, well, let's go ahead and discuss the rest of the ending scene first. Okay, Buck Lafarge finally does his job and gets ready to shoot Dunstan. First, he takes a, an emboldening sip of champagne while he's hand, handling a loaded weapon. Steadies his nerves. <laughs> and then he fires at Dunstan, and the bullet is magically attracted to Lionel Spaulding's ass, <laughs> just like all other misery. <laughs> so Lionel Spaulding is tranquilized with something that could kill an orangutan, by the way. Yes. Well, as, as, as established previously, it will knock a human out. For 18 hours. 18 hours. Set your watches like yeah, Mrs. DeBrow. Mrs. DeBrow, set and watch. <clears throat> Another really interesting <clears throat> moment is after Lionel Spaulding gets shot, Mrs. DeBrow chases down Kyle to try and get the gun. Oh. Is it Kyle? Yeah, it's Kyle. Yeah. To get the gun to shoot Dunstan. She chases him around the cake. And 
now at this point we're all wondering, man, I wonder why that cake is so large and inviting. Yeah, it's comically it's large, comically I would say. oversized yeah. for a gathering of 150 people or so. Like a slapstick prop or something. Like some sort of Chekhov's <laughs> cake. You could fit two obese strippers in that cake. Well, dear viewers, Chekhov's cake, we can cross it off. Monkey jumps off the ceiling, <clears throat> lands on Mrs. Dubrow, and smashes her into a cake as her husband laughs and mocks her from a distance. Not like a little giggle, like he laughs so hard, he's, he knee slaps. He yeah. slaps his own damn knee. He just, slaps his own cock. He slaps his I had one, Kyle! <laughs> <laughs> And Lionel Spaulding walks over. <laughs> In my favorite line of the entire movie. And Lionel Spaulding walks over. Lionel Spaulding reveals that he is the inspector for the Association. <laughs> he is the secret agent that determines whether or not they're going to get the sixth star. And that was m probably my favorite twist in a movie I've seen in a long time <laughs> because I genuinely did not see that coming. But and it makes total sense. It makes, and it's perfect because so many, nothing but bad things have happened to him this entire movie. And he finally... He the worst experience of this hotel. For once in his life, he can strike back, and he says, Congratulations, now you're a one-star hotel. And then he collapses from the tranquilizer dart and possibly crushes Mrs. Dubrow, judging from how we never see her again. Yeah, she closes her eyes, it's heavily implied that she dies. Yeah, it's like you're into the cake, and then more cake somehow falls on top. Even though they're on top of the cake, more cake just like someone... Like mono yeah, from I heaven. I, I like know, it's the same thing. Somebody might have killed her. I think it was murder. Was she pushed? Uh, this leads to Robert losing his job as he throws more cake at Mrs. Dubrow. And the movie's just kind of over. Everybody yeah. kind of realizes it, so there's just, like, no energy for the rest of the movie. Yeah, they just kind of... Well, I mean, I don't know how you can follow that up. Yeah, it, it's it's like the movie Nutted, and now it's time to get the cleanup cloth and just like, oh, Yeah, this right. is this is the, the last two the post nut clarity. Yeah, the, this, the last two minutes of this movie is the post nut clarity. We're like, oh shit, we gotta wrap everything up. Oh no. See, it's either that, or I'd say like you know, like right after lunch, where everyone like like you're in school, like right after the lunch bell rings, everyone's full and they're trying to meander through to the next class. Like how everyone walks slower, talks slower. That's kind of what this is. Everyone's dialogue is more forced. And then, oh, also we get a good, a good line. We get uh, Robert saying, "I've never uh, beaten up a human being before. Now I've dropped two. And he, so he's talking about being proud of losing his job, and living, uh, assuming now to live into a, live in a trailer park or a Motel Six or whatever reference he said. I'd love that. I would be just fine with ruining the lives of my kids. And then they play the happy music because it means he doesn't like his job. He doesn't care about his job anymore. He realized that family is more important. Yes. Unfortunately, this <clears throat> is a capitalistic society in which we live. So, so fuck you, cops. Family don't pay the f***ing bills. <laughs> you, Roberts. And so the, 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 the movie spends its entire time building up to this one climactic scene, after which it just kind of goes... Yeah, they went to the tropics and then they were working at another hotel, maybe. And Lionel Spaulding was there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one to sum summarize the last three minutes. Yeah, yeah. Victor Dubrow. It was nothing. <laughs> Victor there, Dubrow comes to visit Robert. Yeah. Victor Dubrow comes to visit Robert and he offers him a job in the tropics to manage a different hotel. And by the way, Victor has a different girl aside from his wife as like his arm candy. Mm. Victor Dubrow. 
fucking plows. <laughs> I'm telling you, those prinkly, those prinkly, wrinkly fingers. <laughs> they rip for her pleasure. They know it. Women know this. Dude, she went straight for that monkey. She was seated, had the monkey on her lap, and she was stroking his hairy nipples. Uh-huh. And he went... Oh, also, uh, Dunstan and Kyle have a full mouth kiss. Yeah, yeah. they did. They kissed on the mouth. That wasn't yeah. good. Like, you can see the slobber coming off of Dunstan's lips. And then he yeah. goes in for another one, and Kyle's just like, No, Dunstan, uh, not now. He on the back not of now. Kyle's head and just pushes it closer to his mouth. But apparently Dunstan learns the error of his ways, because at the end of the movie, uh, he, he is uh, ha- does have a orangutan... Heterosexual relationship. Yeah, yes. As God intended. He's not a homosexual. Uh, and has a child, so you know he fucks. <laughs> the end of the movie, they're in the tropics, oh, and the, there's just a done... I... What is the arrangement of this hotel where this manager and his two children can run it and also keep their orangutan and his family just kind of f***ing around the grounds? Can, can I also, uh, can I ask one question? I don't know, I, I think you might be able to answer this because you're very knowledgeable. Yeah. Is Bali close to Japan? Because the I mean, relatively was like full Japanese wearing kimono, Japanese hairstyle, saying, yeah. uh, say, speaking Japanese to... Yeah, customers. to do the Domo Arigato. Domo Arigato. Or yes. Yeah. Or the hell she said. She's like, talk of the morning to you, welcome to Bali. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bali I think is in Indonesia or that relative area. Yeah, I think it's, it's in Indonesia. Vietnam. Oceania. I think it'd, like, it'd be, make more sense if they were speaking like Vietnamese or something, but... It's always like... Adam, this is the 90s. Americans can Americans just got used to realizing that China and Japan were two separate places. You can't ask them to also add Vietnam and Korea into the mix. I was going to say it's the 90s. Japan has just enough money that they can do whatever they want, but this is post-bubble. The bubble burst, this is, baby. This is post-bubble. That's what but Dunstan's that's what really the about. There. That's what Dunstan's really about. Yeah, this entire movie is an allegory for the the nineteen eighties uh, economic boom of Japan. <laughs> <laughs> it was all leading up to this. It was the the clothes were there the whole time. Yeah, there were breadcrumb trails. They just weren't uh, visible to the average person, the average viewer. Also, Neil's alive. Uh, Lionel Spaulding learned necromancy and cutaways and yeah. brought back, or even sadder. He just bought another dog and named it Neil. <laughs> I have four. Well, hopefully, hopefully he taught that dog necromancy too because Lionel's falling as falling as falling as falling as falling as
the suffering of Lionel Spaulding. He is the grease that keeps the gears of society a turning. Those who walk away from Omalos, the little boy in the closet is Lionel Spaulding. <laughs> <laughs> Lionel Spaulding fucking dies in the he, oh, he dies in the end of the movie. Can you describe Sam how, exactly what happens to him? D- Dunstan grabs the, the largest, hardest coconut he can find. Like, spikes the camera, like, eh, should I, should I, eh, and just doesn't drop it, throws this coconut straight down to Lionel Spaulding, who's just trying to relax by the pool. This is his last chance. Why, why does he do this, Sam? Why does he throw the coconut at him? Is there a reason? There is no reason. It is, a un, it is an uninvited random act of violence. Final destination, Lionel Spaulding survived a plane crash, so now there's a monkey chasing him trying to murder. <laughs> Murder he just wanted to play crash. He had to shoot sharks with a spear gun. <laughs> That's a little callback. Yeah. Speaking of which, I, I never noticed that Kyle in the the one of the final scenes in the apartment has a toy shark. So it might explain That's his right. fascination with wanting to murder sharks. Toy. So he he has a toy of something. Lionel Spaulding's dead, Adam. The rules are over. <laughs> Dunstan is over, Adam. We're living in a post Dunstan world. Oh man, it's paper The film is over. Oh man, I hope that sounds crispy. I think you, crispy. You know something I realized is interesting is uh, that? watching that final scene. So obviously, I can't really guess how the movie's going to end because it's over. But I I can say how it should have ended. How should it? It should have ended the exact same way it did end, uh, except it should have been uh, approximately seventy eight minutes shorter. <laughs> <laughs> because I realized that aside from like two references. To something that had to begin in the movie, this last twelve minutes can stand on its own as its own film. If like you cut out the reference to the Lamond Association, I'm pretty sure this entire last twelve minutes could just be a short movie. Yeah, it's 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 a self-contained story. I don't know. I you're right. And also another thing I was thinking Which about. Which explains why it's so hard for me to figure out what the hell happens. Yeah, in this movie. I know, I know. Because it know. just does, it has no bearing on the rest of the plot whatsoever. Why did the police arrest Lord Rutledge? Because he Kyle smuggled a monkey Kyle into a hotel. But he kidnapped Kyle. He was arrested on 12 counts of bestiality <laughs> <laughs> and monkey prostitution. Uh, they bring Dunstan into the courtroom and they're like, Exhibit A, and they just pull his butt cheeks <laughs> apart. <laughs> <laughs> they found nine monkey merchants. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and one up his ass. Dunstan, why have thou forsaken me? <laughs> Poor Lord Rutledge. All right, Sam, where do you think it's going to go from here? <laughs> well, I think the sequel is going to pick back up and bother. <laughs> Lord Rutledge. I think this is as good a point as any. What is the deal with Lord Rutledge? We've we've touched upon this no with, with uneager fingers. Is he a circus guy just d- doing a parody of a noble? And if so, how did he fake up a, a, enough of a pedigree that nobody's like, there's, there's no Lord Rutledge. He, no, he, he never once breaks character. No, like, never once. Character, he even when never he's, breaks even character. Even when he's alone with his orangutan, he's still in character. Even when he's being attacked, like fiercely attacked with a four-foot-tall whisk, <laughs> he is still <laughs> remaining, oh, oh. oh. Le, Chateau Lafitte, of course, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and to bring back another point, Tuesday. Like, this is Delacroce. How long has this ruse been going yeah. on that she can confirm that he's... Like, she believes he's a nobleman. Yeah, because Dunstan, he looks like he's... 
like a, still a juvenile orangutan, and he still looked like that in the picture where they were obviously circus folk or something. Look, if Joker has taught us anything, is that this would make a great origin story standalone film. <laughs> I want to know what I want to know whom? who Rutledge is. For Rutledge. I want to know who he is, why he's evil, and then I want to start the new Dunstan cinematic universe, beginning with Dunstan Checks In 2, Electric Boogaloo, where Lord Rutledge is released from prison, has his knighthood revoked by the Queen of England. Lord Rutledge gets his own standalone movie where he, like, starts ruling a prison and training all the prisoners to be his new orangutans. Oh, maybe maybe he was a noble, but, like, was stripped of his title, like you were saying, then was forced to join the circus, and then, like, finagled his way back into being a fake lord. Maybe. that That's interesting. Maybe he just was was in the circus, but just the fact that he's British makes everyone assume that he's fancy. Maybe, he, accent. maybe he's just an underwritten character in a kid's movie. Nah, no. <laughs> no, I think there's more to it than that. <laughs> Lord. Rutledge. I beg your pardon? Oh, it's quite alright. The human body can only send so many centuries of inbreeding. I should know. <laughs> he coughs up his lung, which is also a fetus. <laughs> it's also his sister. <laughs> he says, get back in there. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> two th- all right final rating everybody simultaneously one two three two thumbs Damn. up monkey <laughs> okay I'm we've glad got we a- decided on a scale before we start we got yeah. two we've got, we got two thumbs up ten and uh, uh i think that's good <laughs> yeah this movie gets a two uh ten, ten thumbs up <laughs> we had ten thumbs up out of two thumbs up uh, oh, I give this I give this movie two big toes up. <laughs> I give this two tasty toes in my mouth. <laughs> I give this two fistfuls of cake thrown at Mrs. Delacroix's face. I give this movie two orangutan arms up each of the little boy's rectums. <laughs> I give this two oh. circus monkeys and one Lord Rutledge. You really liked this movie, didn't you? I did like this movie. <laughs> I gotta say, I think I, I think I like this movie. I especially liked the the nonsense, the just the absolute meaninglessness of it. Yeah, it's it's not a good movie. I it's had, nothing. I, I, yeah, <laughs> this movie's nothing. It, it is definitely nothing. There is about seventy five minutes of nothing. But you know what the worst part is though. What's that? We could write a sequel. Yeah. I mean, we could write a sequel that would make sense. Like you could do a sequel of this movie. And that's the stinger. Because we aren't done with Dunstan, nor is Dunstan done with us, ladies and gentlemen. In addition to these regular episodes, we are releasing next week one final finale post-Dunstan special, where we will look at the movie all in all and perhaps entertain entertain some ridiculous questions. (sighs) Does anybody have anything to discuss more about this 10 minutes before we break for the next week uh, send us in some fan questions and we will answer them in the next episode yeah send us in your most erotic drawings of lord rutledge and we will answer them yes yeah, all of your, your uh, we will diagnose you all right any final thoughts monkey adam two monkey drew says nine monkeys up and one monkey down because he he got killed by the nipple clamp <laughs> Until then, I have been Drew. I have been Sam. I have been Adam. We are the Edging On Boys. We're bleeding out from the nipples. (laughs) And Dunstan's out. Have fun.
living in the city. That was Edging on Dunstan, the podcast where three buffoons analyze Dunstan checks in ten minutes at a time. You can email us at edgingpodcast at gmail.com. If you want your email featured on the show, make sure to let us know if we can use your name. Edging on Dunstan is a podcast by Sam, featuring Adam and Drew. Editing is by Adam. Intro is Right to Ascension, written by Sam, and remixed by Adam.